Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm Matt. I'm the host, and with me is my fantastic co-host, Joe Perez. Hey, Joe, what have you been doing in-game lately? Uh, in-game, I've been prepping for today, the glorious patch day, waiting to start my long questing, uh, because apparently it's several hours that I have to get through in order to be prepped and ready before my group gets together and does our raid stuff, which probably won't be until, well, I don't know if the raid's open already, but whenever the raid opens, I want to be prepared. Next week. Next the week. raid is next week. Yeah. It's uh, next Tuesday, I believe. It's the 21st. I know that much. So I think that is next Tuesday. Yeah, next so, Tuesday. We'll be, so we'll be my group will be raiding next week Wednesday, likely. Okay. Yeah. What cool. about you? Uh, I uh, actually haven't been playing a ton of WoW. Um, been sort of in that, yeah, nothing's going on, so I'm not prepping. I'll, I'll do it when I do it sort of thing. I, I want to start I want to do the intro quest as soon as possible on, I don't know. Do you know if you have to do it on more than one character? Like, do you have to do it in every character that wants to unlock this? Um, Cause that's an interest. That's a point for me. I believe that you only have to do it once, uh, but I don't know if that's going to be immediately available, but I, they were mentioning okay. like once some, one character does it, that it'll, that they were talking about making it account wide, but I don't know if that's releasing like that. So, all right. That's yeah. Cause that's important because I want to, I want to start playing a lot more on my Paladin. I've I've actually grown really fond of her, just for the character model, not even because I like Paladins or anything. I, I still don't. Sorry, Paladins. It's not you. It's the way your class is designed. Uh, it's not <laughs> fun for me. But I like the character. I like my little uh, my little Dark Iron Dwarf that I've been playing. So I'm interested in doing it on her and on my Warrior. I have at least two Warriors I'll probably do it on. So, yeah. Um, but honestly, I'm, I'm going to be up front. I've been feeling lately, and this is something I, I want to kind of write a post for the site about, but I've been thinking about it. It's like, I almost want a content drop. Why? That's a, that's an interesting thing. Here's the thing. is like, this this is this raid's coming out now. And I would be perfectly fine if we didn't go to Shadowlands until the end of the year. Like, straight up. If we had a year in this raid, a year in this content, I would not be upset. Because the last couple of 
expansions, I haven't felt like I got to do the stuff I wanted to do before suddenly the new expansion was out. I wasn't done with Legion yet when we got Battle for Azeroth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whilst there's stuff in Battle for Azeroth that I was I did not like story-wise, I don't feel like I'm done with this. Like, I, every patch has been coming out, and it's like I wasn't even done with the last thing. And I know that for some people, they're they're already done and a little bored. But for me, it's very much been the case of the, the not caught up keeps piling up. So I never catch up. And See? I would not be upset with like a whole year of just getting to do all the stuff I want to do and getting caught up. I, I don't... I know that's not a common or very popular opinion. And I was here for some of the content drops in the past, and I know that they had really bad effects. But I've seriously been feeling like maybe they went too far in the other direction. Like since Warlords, we have not really felt like we had a break. Sure, we get an expansion. We don't get an expansion every year like they said they wanted to do. But I feel like an expansion every year might be way too fast. And I think maybe an expansion every two years is still a little too fast. It, but that's it, just me. Well, I, I don't I don't think you're too far off the mark with like the speed thing. I think an expansion every year would be absolutely ridiculous. Like that would be bonkers. And part of that is because the amount of content we've come to expect from pages. And, and I've talked about this in the past where it's almost like WoW wants to be a continuous development where they just release major updates every so often and just continually do that. And that's what it feels like, especially over the last last couple expansions in particular. Because the last couple expansions, like you said, there's always something more to do. And it's not, for, for me, it's not so much that the gotta catch up keeps piling up or the falling behind keeps piling up it's it's more i because i I keep up with that stuff pretty regularly but for me it's just the right amount of new stuff to keep me playing keep me interested and not feel like i'm going too far either way and i think that's what they've sort of struck this balance for and for some people yeah they're they're gonna feel like they're always behind some people are gonna feel like there's never enough but there's always gonna be outliers right for the use cases that's just how oh, yeah it and i totally think that part of this is me having changed my play style too sure or I, I used to play a lot i mean you know just hours and hours every day whereas now if i, I play like an hour or two a day and that's that's it I, I don't let myself play more so there is a certain amount of that that is on me and i totally get it but it's still something i've been thinking but we should probably actually start talking about all this news that we have because we do have a lot of news we first do. off is touched on lore watch this week by the way uh that's coming out when like friday i believe okay so lore watch will be out this week you you should totally listen to it because joe and i talked about stuff that we're going to talk about here a little bit they they've put out when they, when they put the uh the ptr for 83 they finally updated it yesterday before pushing the the patch live today and they put in a whole bunch of cinematics uh, basically in-game rendered ones that these aren't like, you know, not full forged ones, but they're in-game ones that deal with what's been going on with the Horde and the Alliance that deal with how we get into all of this. Uh, the, the, the quest that Joe was talking about. So there's some spoilers here. We're not going to really talk about spoilers. We're not going to like throw them out there, but basically some of the stuff is stuff we all knew that the Horde and Alliance finally have reached a peace treaty and the fourth war is over. By the way, it's officially the fourth war. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the name we're going with. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I wanted to like, bring it up. I don't, again, don't want to really go spoiler crazy here because, you know, we've got a whole lore show for that. But I did want to talk to you, see what you thought about it, Joe. Like, what do you think about these cinematics? 
honestly, I love them. I like I like when they do in-game cinematics because one of my favorites was always Raftgate, and that was we found out, especially this year at BlizzCon, which blew my mind, is that it wasn't done with a cinematic engine. It was done with essentially a free camera, uh, first-person view from somebody, and actually coordinating people in-game to, to make that happen, which was phenomenal. Um, but I like when they use the in-game assets, especially now that they've they've spent so much time updating them, it also tends to feel a little more genuine to me. Not that I don't appreciate the full-blown movie-style cinematics. Those are absolutely phenomenal as well. But it's just, there's something about seeing the in-game models do the thing that just warms me and makes my heart, like, all warm and fuzzy. I think it reminds me of, like, the old the old ways, the old way cinematics used to play out, the way that you used to get those big payoffs at the end of, like, huge quest arcs. And that's what it feels like to me. So I'm I'm completely cool with it. Uh, I was one of the things I think is interesting. What you what you just said is the idea of one of the things I, I've noticed this past couple of of expansions. Going back to Warlords, people people have a negative opinion of Warlords. I get that. Um, I think that certainly in Warlords' case, the negative opinion comes down to content and to things feeling rushed. Sure. Uh, and, and again, the content drought obviously definitely had an effect on it. But I don't think anyone has ever said that leveling was bad in, in Warlords. And if they did, I disagree with them. And one of the things I liked about leveling in Warlords were the in-game rendered cinematics, especially the Frostfire Ridge one, the uh, Shadow Moon Valley one, the one at the end of, um, I want to say, Talador? The one where you basically it's it's uh, Urel and, and Durotons teaming up. Yeah, Talador. That one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, to a degree, the the one where you find out where you see uh, Gul'dan take over the Horde, uh, f- take it from uh, Gromash. Yeah. Those are all they're all really well done, and they they started a trend that we saw continued in Legion, and which we've seen continued in this expansion as well. And and to a degree, I th- I think that they are they're a really nice storytelling tool. Uh, they, they help bridge a gap and, and create a kind of feeling. I will say, though, that I felt a little bit like they could have done more with these cinematics in terms of letting people other than two or three people talk. Um, you had the Alliance one has Anduin, Gen, and, and Toronto, the ones who get to talk. The Horde one, it's Thrall, Bane, and uh, I think Lothamar are the ones who talk. And it's basically everybody else just kind of stands around. And it's like, guys... Um, well, there's there's Thrallbane, Lothamar, and Rokan. Rokan doesn't talk in the cinematic. Uh, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. He isn't, that's I, an I'm in, not in-game talk- thing. Yeah. There's in-game, there's in-game conversations with other people after, and that's fine. I, I think that's a, that's perfectly valid. But in the cinematics, it did feel a little bit like, okay, guys, um, if we're all here, do we do we, the rest of us get... No, we're just backups this time? We're just extras? Okay, uh, I, I, I want Velen to start talking again. The guy doesn't say a whole heck of a lot anymore. I so, get that he was pretty burned out after Legion, but, you know, dude, you're still here. Yeah. Kind of need to be, do, be doing stuff. That That's one thing I was a little concerned about with this expansion is, like, not seeing all of the leaders really doing their thing. Like, where did Velen go? And even even to that, that extent from my perspective, like, even Anduin was not as... Uh, how do I put it? Not as present as I would have expected him to be. Like there was a lot of of weird shifting focus. This expansion. Well, I think to a degree. I think to a degree that's always going to be the problem with the when having these characters so involved in a story like this. 
Oh yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. I think we should move on to talk about eight three more in terms of like what's actually going on in eight three because um, if you do the cinematic, if you do the quest line to uh, basically get into the eight point three content, it ends with a pretty big deal, which I'm not going to talk about except to say that it that is a big deal. It happens. It explains some of the bosses in the raid. Yes, um, which is some of them are some of them need some explanation, and we've been we've yeah. been speculating, so it's it's worth worth that payoff is what i would say and it just the one character who comes to mind isn't the one everyone usually talks about uh it's it's rodin i don't feel it's a spoiler here to tell you that rodin is a boss in this raid because blizzard put a big raid preview up this week or last week i think whenever they put it up they put a big preview up that has all of the bosses Mm -hmm. with full color pictures so if you looked at that you know rodin is a boss in this raid um and how he gets there is, honestly, I felt pretty bad uh, when I found out. And especially since we still have Odin. And we don't get to kill Odin. Odin isn't a boss in any raid. And that's just unfair. Because Odin's a jerk. And Rodin, Rodin certainly had his moments that I didn't like him, but I really felt like Rodin got a raw deal. You know? But yeah. then again, this is, that that's his thing, so... But, uh, okay, we've probably talked about that a bit. Do, 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 do. I'm not, like, there's so much to talk about in E3, I don't know how much time to spend on it. It's like, I feel like you should just go do it. But at the same time, it, the service literally just came up as we're recording this. So, uh, what's your, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this one. What's your favorite feature so far? Like, the one thing that you think of when you think of this patch, the one thing you just absolutely can't wait to do? Honestly, the assaults. Like, and, and I feel weird saying that because I did not like the assaults so far this expansion. But the way that the major and minor assaults, the horrific visions are being laid out, like right now, and the, everything we know about them, it seems like that's more up my alley. And I like the idea of of all having an almost roguelike experience when doing like the individual, or I it's a, what up to three players or something like that scenarios. Five. You can take up, up to, to five, five into them. But I'm looking forward to that as well because like it's 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 an interesting thing that I've I've been wondering about how an MMO would do something like that. And we talked about it with like Torghast and we think that this is like a test run for Torghast and I'm fine with that because that's the type of gameplay I really, really like. If you go through like my steam library, almost all of it is, is roguelikes road lights uh, because I like that repetitive gameplay where things change. It's not always the same. So I can go do this. It'll take me X amount of time, but then when I go do it again, it's not going to be exactly the same. So that type of stuff to me that that's, I don't want to say ever renewable because there's always a limit to it, but it's that's the type of content that I've been excited about for a very long time. Yeah, the horrific vision definitely seems to be a stage along that path. Uh, I I find myself wondering how much of it's inspired by greater rifts, because yeah, it does seem yeah. to be a certain amount of greater riftiness to it. Um, but I, you know, we'll see. We know that it doesn't. One thing is that while the objectives might change. The actual layout of the place isn't going to change. You're still you're either going to Stormwind or Orgrimmar. Sure. Um, and you're fighting one of two end bosses that that are established end bosses. You know who they are. Um, but in general, though, there is a there's a certain amount of that that I really like. Um, I'm I'm interested in it because it's content. I know it's content that I don't need to recruit people to do, but I can do it with friends if they're around and want to do it. And have the 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 coalescing visions to buy the vessels, mm-hmm. like 
I, I'm interested in if my wife and I can how well how far we can go as as like a DPS slash tank and a DPS. Like how far can we go? Especially since it's warrior and hunter. Or Paladin Hunter, if I bring my Paladin. But I, I don't think I'll play my Paladin with my wife. I think my Paladin's a solo character. Uh, but, you know, going with a Warrior and a Hunter, her pet can do some off-tanking. I can go prot and tank if it needs to be. Or we can go full DPS and we can just, you know, see how far we can get just the two of us. And not only that, but, like, even, like, if she has a Spirit uh, spirit Animal, Spirit Animal heals are not a joke. No, no, she definitely... I know, I know she does. She totally does. Um... Someday I'll tell the story again of my wife taming the Grim Totem Spirit Beast, which she still has, by the way. Oh, that's um, awesome! Yeah, it's not a spirit. It's not a spirit beast. It's just straight up pet. It does does not require beast mastery. But yeah, you can't get that thing anymore. But unrelated to that, just yeah, I I, I think you're right. I also am looking forward to major and minor assaults because of the minor assaults. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like the fact that the minor assault will reset, so you can do it twice in a week. You do once on a Tuesday and again on a Friday. I, I like that. That's you know that there's less rewards, but it's less it's less time consuming, and you can actually get a couple of them in. I like that. I do too, because um, that 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 fits a lot of my my current like non rating play style too. Like I'm not the type of person that sits down and spends five hours in a game in the game anymore, um, unless I'm rating. So like yeah. something like this is perfect that's, because. That's a social commitment thing. That's not necessarily a WoW thing. It's exactly. Because you, yeah. you raid with your friends. So, yeah. Oh, here's a question for you, then. What do you think about the raid portal switching zones? I am far less upset about that than most people I know are, I think. So this, this is actually a discussion that my guild had in our, our Discord, and we were talking about it, and a lot of people are real upset about it. But I like it. And the reason I like it is because I like having excuses to go to different zones. And the reason that I like that is because I think so often that we move beyond the, these this content, these zones, and we forget that they exist. Even when we're leveling a character, how often do you really explore a full expansion? And it's a thought I had when I was recently doing my, my warrior leveling and uh, a couple other classes that I started leveling. It's how often do we actually take the time to smell the roses anymore? And this is something that forces you to go back to that and sort of like if you're going back to the veil, you start thinking about the veil. You start thinking about all that content, that, that storylines, those quests. And it's something that, like, you know, I actually had fun with that. Maybe I'll do that again. It's sort of like this little reminder of like these cool things that used to happen. So I'm I'm OK with it. I actually think it's a cool idea. Interesting. I don't actually have much negative or positive towards it i just think it's it's funny to me that nazoth basically is he's like one of those guys who i'm not just gonna leave a raid portal up somewhere are you kidding me it that's fits. exactly how they raid you thematically it fits yeah, it's like you know not having like a, lo a easy to find location where you can just come and attack me while i'm doing other stuff no i'm busy you want to fight me you come to where i am and you fight me there and i just i'd, I'd find that amusing uh, I think when I wrote about it, I said something along the lines of like that old gods like hobbits have giant feet. <laughs> Seriously, if you go look at the car the carapace of Nazoth, he's got huge feet. Yeah. But also they're trick they're tricksy like hobbits, and and they like to put weird things on your head like hobbits. At least I that's my assumption that hobbits would do that if they were given a chance. That's why I never give hobbits a chance to do anything because you never know when they're gonna put something on your head. That's very true. Uh, but yeah, okay. I think at this point, yeah, we we know that uh, I'm gonna briefly run down stuff that people are probably going to want to know um you you definitely you can start rating as of next week that's normal and heroic uh lfr 
and Mythic of the week after. So that would be January 28th, I believe. That's when uh, that's when Heroic and that's when a, a normal uh, Mythic and LFR open the first wing of LFR. Obviously, then the next wings open up. I believe there's two more wings, and they open up in like a, I think a, like a two-week interval after. So, yeah, LFR is going to be a little while before it opens all the way up. Uh, the new Mythic, um, I want to say Suffix is going to be this this season. It should be up right now. Yep. I don't remember what it is, but it's horrible. I remember that much. I remember looking at it and going, "Oh God, no." Uh, I think it's Corruptor. Is it Corruptor? I think it is Corruptor. Yeah, so there's that. That one's that one's going to be fun for everybody. Um, if you were saving up Titan Residuum from Mythics, uh, it all got turned to silver. So if you're logging on, you're like, what happened to my Titan Residuum? They, they got rid of it, so you can't just go and buy new Mythic gear. Because remember, the, the item levels for everything, that this is technically considered to be Season 4. Uh, for, for Battle for Azeroth, both the Mythic season and the pvp season and gear item levels for everything the seasonal have gone up by 30 points uh and that means that you know gear from mythic plus is up uh, i think the the top mythic plus 15 i believe the gear there is just slightly below mythic rating which i think is at four like 475 mm-hmm. so yeah that's the the item level for for stuff and that's why you, your titan residuum all went away so you can't just go buy a piece today which makes perfect sense i know some people are upset about it but Honestly, it's not the first time they've done that. They've done that several times in the past. Yeah, it's, it's not surprising. Um, but yeah, that's 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 there too. Corrupted gear is dropping now, um, so you may get a piece. Uh, one thing to keep in mind is that I've seen people have a problem with this. Corrupted gear cannot Titan Forge. So any corrupted gear you get, like if you get a corrupted piece in Mythics, if you get corrupted gear from like a quest, a world quest, you get a corrupted gear from your... Uh, doing your your major assault or the minor assault for the week, any corrupted gear you get cannot Titan Forge. There's Titan Forging is no longer a thing. War Forging and Titan Forging doesn't happen for any gear that currently drops from any of those things. It's that's only previous stuff. Now that's it's worth keeping in mind. Yeah, now it's corruption. The corrupted gear is what drops. Corrupted gear doesn't boost item level. Instead, you get corrupted stat. And then in addition to the stat, which adds a certain amount of corruption to your character, you get like a like a set piece. It, it, it's, if you remember the end of Cataclysm and the gear that dropped in Dragon Soul, it's similar to that where the gear drops with a weird, like, you know, random ability. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole host of various ones that can drop. Uh, and you can decide, I want to keep this, and you can keep the corrupted gear, keep the corruption on it, and risk it. Or you can get it purged, uh, but getting it purged costs resources. I believe it costs coalescing visions. I and, believe so, but you can also get resistances for it. Yeah, you get resistance for it from, for instance, the cape that uh, Rathian drops, and you can also you can use the the stuff that drops in the uh, in the hard visions. You can use that to boost your Titan research, and that can give you resistance as well. But if you decide, I just don't want it, I want to keep this piece, but I don't want the corruption, you can purge the corruption off. That It purges the corruption, and it purges the special bonus. Mm-hmm. It makes it just a regular piece of gear. And that's something you can absolutely do. Uh, it's, so it's the mechanic here is choice. It comes down to what you want to do. Do you want to have your corruption higher and risk one of the effects of corruption? Which we have a post on the site about if you want to read about what corruption does. There's a whole host of things that can happen. It can go from like, you know, I've got a little corruption, so I occasionally I get slowed down. 
to I got a lot of corruption, so the thing keeps dropping void zones at my feet that will kill me. Oh, and it slowed me down, so I can't get out of them. And, and the void zones are are not just affecting you, right? Like they'll affect anybody oh, in your group. Oh, your whole party. Yeah, which yeah. I, I was thinking about that too, and I'm like, I'm not looking forward to having that one raider, and he knows who he is. I I, I know you, buddy. Uh, who's going to push that high corruption and then just pooping pooping void zones all over the place because there's going to be fights that extra stuff on the ground is just going to be mental. Yeah, and absolutely. That is that is the balance that is that corrupted gear is placing on people. So I feel, I feel like we've talked enough about 8.3, at least in those terms right now, because uh, there's some stuff that's also going on that I wanted to mention really briefly. Uh, what we did a post. I did this post. I'll admit it. I wrote this post, and I, I liked it, so I wanted to talk to Joe about it. Um, I did a post though because Riot Riot Games is doing a tabletop yes thing where they're basically going to make a bunch of tabletop games. Um, and I I looked at that and I thought to myself, Riot doesn't really have much beyond League of Legends here. I mean, I know they're making more games, and that's great, but so you know, Blizzard has a huge stable at this point. And they haven't done anything tabletop since they licensed the Warcraft for role-playing game stuff back in 2006. So, so it's been a while. This is interesting to me because a lot of people are like, well, they, they have that same mentality that, oh, it's it's not the same thing. They don't have established lore. Why are they doing this? They do actually have a big back backlog of lore in Runeterra. Like, Runeterra is not just like this little tiny place that they just did for, for a league and that's it. So they actually have like stories. They have an ongoing continuous story. They actually have things that are, are presented, not just just not in the game. It's, it's elsewhere. It's more, more like overwatch in that regard. And so they have a, 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 a dearth of information. Yeah, that that's could... fine. But blizzard has four of them. I'm aware of that. Uh, yeah, and that's meanwhile, League of Legends is I mean, Riot is actually doing it. Riot well, is making games set in Runeterra. They're 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 that's leveraging that that IP. That's what I'm excited about. And I think part of the problem with Blizzard, though, is Blizzard tried to do that. And you pointed this out in your, your piece way earlier, way before everybody else. And I think they pushed themselves too far, too fast and too thin. And they got burned by it way back when, because we had the tabletop RPG book. Uh, which I still have and still absolutely adore. Uh, we have we had the original board game that released, which was massive. That thing was huge, and it's a pain, and they don't make it anymore. And if you find one in box, it's expensive because they can't. They just let it go after a little bit. They didn't support it. It was supposed to have expansions. They gave up on those. They just sort of got out of it because it didn't sell as well as they thought it would. Uh, they have Trivial Pursuit games. They have things that license their IP, but they haven't stepped back into tabletop or or anything like that for a very here's long time. A, here's the difference, though. This is something I've been thinking about a lot. The difference is Riot is making these games themselves. Yes. They're not licensing anything. They're yep. making these games. Yes, that is, that is the divine difference. Think, that's where Blizzard should go. I agree. And it, they absolutely should go there. I'm I'm going to just be right up front with this. They are at this point leaving money on the table. Because there's absolutely no reason they shouldn't be doing this. Well, uh, especially with how I, I think I feel like in general, tabletop gaming has gone into a different place than we ever expected it to go. Oh, yeah. Especially with and, uh, to counting in the, the recent technology bursts. 
that have been coming out that have been made, allowing it to flourish like it is? Absolutely. I think to a degree, I mean, one of the things that happened is streaming became such good marketing. Mm-hmm. And it's marketing in a way that isn't just marketing. It isn't just somebody telling you why you should like it. It's literally a demonstration. It's people got, having fun. Like, the, the hardest way to get people into gaming has always been demonstrating it to them, especially yes. stuff that's not video games, tabletop gaming. Oh, it's always been explaining it to people. What, you know, even, even I remember. Beyond, oh, sorry. I was going to oh, say, no, I, go. I used to work at a game store way when I was a, when I was a teenager and having to set up a table, having to break out all the minis and having to take somebody through a game from scratch. doesn't matter what the game was, was always an enormous undertaking and you were never prepared for it because you never knew when somebody was going to come in and ask for a demo and or, hey, what's this game about? What you know, do you have an open open box? Can we play it? You never knew when that was going to happen. And I think you're you're on the right track. Streaming changed that because streaming, the people that were doing it were able to present it. They were able to let you in to a window on their personal game. And like it, I believe that that was responsible for the recent resurgence in Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, hugely so. Uh, board games in general have seen a huge yeah. push between because of that. And One just the way that it's, it's delivered. Dicebreaker. Yeah, I love Dicebreaker. Dice I absolutely adore Dicebreaker. What's great about Dicebreaker, and it, it branched off from Eurogamer. Uh, one of the great things about Dicebreaker is they literally play freaking games on yes. the channel, and you can yes. watch them do it. So if you're ever wondering, oh man. Everyone talks about betrayal on the house, you know, betrayal on the house of the hill. But I don't know if I want to play this or not. Here it is. This is what it is, and it's so much like I remember going back to the original, like the first time I ever pl- got a D and D book. My mom got me one, I think, in 1980, and uh, I'm showing my age here. But <laughs> I remember like one of the things was I was reading through it was, and this was like the this, I think this was the expert set she got me because we didn't know the difference. And so I had to then tell her, Mom, you need to get me the basic set because this book goes from three to thirty to three to fifteen, and I don't know, you know, I don't know. This is four to fourteen. I need the first three levels. I don't know what they are. So she had to go get me that. One of the things that's in it, though, is an example of play. That's literally like a narrated script of what it would be like to watch people play the game. But you don't have to do that much anymore. Like they still do do examples of play. But yeah, sure. You can now just say, okay, here's like here's like this actual play po- like stream that I can show you, or here's a video of these people playing the game. Interestingly, and go ahead. I was gonna say, interestingly enough, that you bring that up, and and because I'm I'm huge into like Warhammer 40k and and Age of Sigmar, and I was noticing this about the rule books way 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 back when they used to have like hundreds of pages dedicated to uh, map scenarios diagrams and everything to explain how to play the game over the years, because of what we're talking about, like the technology being pushed, they've reduced that so much that like those are almost non-existent in anymore. Yeah. There's much less in war in the war machine book I have than there was in like old Warhammer 40 K. They used to be like, like you pointed out like lots of, lots of it. And I, I do think that that's one of the reasons I think blizzard should get involved because blizzard has a fan base that will follow them into this market. Absolutely. And it has them, it has the means to produce videos to show people, this is how you play our new game that we just developed. And think about like, there's certain games that they do like Starcraft. I've been thinking for years, Starcraft could 
could totally go up against Warhammer and War Machine in its own field. It could be the, 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 the game where you spend hundreds of dollars on painting minis to go fight. It would absolute people would absolutely love it. Like you imagine like, you know, we've got this new ultralisk model to paint. It's like, oh my god, are you kidding me? Um I'm trying to think of the Protoss mod the, the Dark Templar, I think it is. Oh yeah, the Dark Templars. One that fuses the just there's so many things. I could just imagine you selling them to people and, and then painting them for hours. And you could totally do that with StarCraft. It would it would be beautiful. Well it, And it's it, it's an IP you're not doing much with right now anyway. I mean, like you said, imagine a, a star. Well, so the, and that's the thing. Like, imagine StarCraft done in any of these these space game styles. Like, imagine it done in like uh, the star, the Star Wars game uh, X Wing, which is absolutely phenomenal. You can have all those units do that. Or um, what was I think it's Andromeda, which is another one. There there are so many ways that they could do something like that. And like you said, it's an IP they're doing nothing with. And they have some gorgeous models inside of that game. And like, mm -hmm. it's, it's funny you mentioned like making those models. Cause like I've been looking at how to extract models from blizzard stuff so that I can print them and paint them because they're gorgeous. And I want to sit and paint them. They would have, they would make money hand over fist. Like it would, it would be absolutely ridiculous. And players would be happy. People would be happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we're basically both in agreement that they should do this. And so Blizzard, you know, call me when you get your stuff together. And I'll talk yeah, hire, hire, hire uh, me and Matt. We got yeah. you back. <laughs> I am, of course, kidding. They would be insane to do so. Um, but yeah, okay, we talked about that. That's good. Uh, yeah, I guess we should just mention this one. This one's just kind of an update. With the Volpera and Mechagomes coming out, uh, Blizzard has also put the race and faction changes on sale. So if... Finance was the reason you weren't switching your main to a Volpera. Uh, they've taken that from you. You you have to do it now. I'm sorry. And rules. and the the Volpera dance. If you haven't seen it, it's this is it's what the fox says dance. It is absolutely on nose and hilarious. You want to yeah, be a fox person. <laughs> Just but yeah, whatever you know. If, if for any reason you've been holding off on that race change you wanted to do. Um, I was seriously tempted, but I don't have any money. Like I'm seriously, uh, my, thank God I have, I have generous friends who've given me wow tokens and so forth to keep me playing. Wow. Cause that 15 bucks a month is, is pretty hard to justify for me, but yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's on sale. If you've, you know, if you were thinking about doing it, now's the time to do it. I think that pretty much covers the news for this week. Um, yeah, pretty much. We, we talked about the, uh, in-game cinematics. We, problem with is we don't want to do spoilers. That's what Lore Watch is for, which we're doing another one this weekend. So if if you've got any questions for Lore Watch, feel free to hit us up either through email or Discord. In fact, I'm going to do the email thing now. So that works too for Lore Watch. I'm going to point that out. If you want to send an email to the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch if it's for this show. And if you want to send one to Lore Watch, just say Lore Watch in the subject line so we know it's for that show. Um, Joe's going to read these emails for us, uh, so go ahead whenever you want, Joe. All right. First, I was the emailer last week who asked about returning to 8.3 without high-level gear, as well as starting 9.0 without high-level gear since I can no longer raid. You answered my questions in your discussion about the content for 8.3, so thank you for your prescient work. You're welcome. Second, I am so excited about being able to level through one expansion to max level that I cannot bring myself to level anything right now. I was wondering if either of you felt that way. 
Third, now that we know that 8.3 is here, when are you predicting the drop of for 9.0? It feels like another August release for me. This is from Shad Belf Pally on Hygel. So yeah, um, I don't know. I haven't really felt like leveling anything anymore since I know that that's coming. I've hit my max. So personally, I'm kind of waiting. And it's not a bad thing. I have five characters at max level right now, so I'm, I'm good. Uh, but even like my my alts, like my uh, my night nightborn uh, wizard that I have laying around, or nightborn warlock, I forgot which one it was, wizard. Yeah, um, I just I I'm waiting because I can just take her somewhere and level and have a good experience that way. What about you, Matt? Uh, my Torin has not been getting leveled for a variety of reasons, and I'm not going to pretend that those reasons are related to this, but. I know I will probably pick my Torrent up again once we get the pre-patch for 9.0. Um, like whenever, like the pre-patch for the expansion, whenever it comes out, whenever 9.0 drops mm-hmm. and we get the uh, leveling for that, I'm probably going to pick up my Torrent for a bit and level him because I'd like to get him to level 50 and have him ready to go. Uh, I think Shadowlands is the expansion where I can play Horde again. Uh, I'm hoping. Uh, my Night Elf DK, my Night Elf Warrior, my Human Warrior, and my... my uh, Dark Iron Paladin are all at max level right now. So they'll all automatically be level 50. So I'm not worrying about them. My Light Forged Warrior and my... I have a Light Forged Warrior. I've got a Kaltiran Warrior, a Kaltiran Druid, and a Dark Iron Warrior who are all at various stages of level. And they're all, I think, going to wait for 9.0. I don't see any reason to level them before that. I might not even level them until after we get into Shadowlands. And not only that, there's so much to do now on your mains, like we were just talking about. Like, it's another reason to kind of wait on leveling, because if you're going to do all the new content to begin with, all of the... That's another reason why I I think a content drought wouldn't be the worst thing. Let us catch up with everything that's out there, yeah. Because you know, it it gets to a point where you like you feel like you're you're doing a misservice to your main if you if you play your alt at all, and when you're trying to get caught up on stuff, like it's one of the reasons that it was very hard for me to play them during the whole let's get flying thing, which I didn't succeed at. Straight up, I don't have flying. I gave up and just started like playing alts because it felt like so much of a grind and I couldn't make myself feel connected to it. So, yeah, I'm I'm in a situation right now where I have to catch up on flying. And I don't know how I'm going to make myself do that. I'm kind of happy in that most of the, the Nihalatha stuff, most of the Nizoth stuff, is in zones where I already have flying. So I won't have to worry about it. Like, yep. at this point, Battle for Azeroth flying is doesn't really matter to me. I'm not really going to need it. So that's a, that's a thing. I, in terms of leveling an alt, yeah, I definitely feel what you're saying here, man. That is absolutely something I feel. The third, uh, the third part of that question is when do we think 9.0 is going to drop? I think August is probably a pretty good bet. That seems no, to be the... I don't want it till Christmas. I don't want it. No, I mean, I don't know. I, it seems like August that's the seems hot reasonable. Month. Yeah, August seems it's either going to be August or September because those have been the two months that we've been seeing it. I think it was September for Battle for Azeroth, wasn't it? Uh, it was September, but I mean yeah. that was it was originally slated for. August and got pushed back. I remember that much. Yeah, it's either August or September. I'm going to say September just to be... Because keep in mind, the raid's not dropping until January 21st. So if you go six months from January 21st, 
that's June 21st, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's February, March, April, May, June. So that'd be July. That'd be mid-July. That's six months. I would say the pre-patch is going to drop at that point and last mm-hmm. about a month. So yeah, August to September. That's where I'm going to be with it. Because they've been talking about the PTR, but we have no, we have no concrete source as to when the PTR, I mean not the PTR, the beta for Shadowlands is going to be. We've heard nothing about that. So until we get a beta announcement, you really can't make a prediction. Because you don't know. Once you get a beta, you can see, oh, how far along are they? How much work is it going to take to get this out? And that's one of the reasons I think it could be later. Because we've heard nothing. That's fair. And I, I played the beta with, that they had. They had a demo at at, Blizz, at uh, BlizzCon. So they had something, and it was in some stage of ready to go. But I don't expect the 50 to 60 stuff to be the big work here. Um, you remember Cataclysm, right? I do. What do you think, like, the like the solid 80% of the work in Cataclysm, where would you say it went? As far as, like, what it what it did for the game or what they spent most of their time on. They spent most of their time on pre-patch stuff, pre pre the pre-expansion actually world stuff. Because yeah, and I think that's going to be it. the case here. Yeah, yeah I, I so absolutely too. agree. And, I, and that's going to be what takes up most of the work here is getting one to 50 to make sense, getting it to work, getting everybody to feel relatively okay at it. That I think is going to take a lot more time than I think they probably already done with the vast majority of 50 to 60 stuff. I think they've, they've been working on it and it's ready to go. I think it's all the making everything else work is going to be taking up the, the lion's share of their work based on that beta. They certainly felt like it, things felt fairly polished. Well, I think so. Uh, I think the thing that's going to take them the most time too, is making sure that the level squish doesn't feel bad. So they, I think more than the world, I think that's what they're going to be working on. Yeah, absolutely. I, you and I are in agreement again. At this rate, we'll we'll have people actually realizing that we do occasionally agree on things. Um, but yeah. All right. So moving on to the next one. Hello, Blizzard Watch. Just a quick question: Will there be physical copies of Warcraft Three Reforged? I love having all of my WoW Collector's editions, and it would be neat to get a copy of this as well. Imagine an art book with concepts for the updated models. Mm. All the best, Anna T. Uh, they have not said anything about physical copies for Warcraft 3 Reforged. And this is something that I looked for because Warcraft 3 was one of those definitive games for me that caused me to maybe fail uh, freshman year of physics in college. Uh, but I love that game so much. I loved the physical copies of it. And I would love to have an art book or something like that. That said, I don't know if this is a game that they're going to warrant a physical release for media but the things like an art book or something like that might be something that comes out later if the game does well enough. They might do a limited physical run, but even then we're starting to see most of the game industry in general move away from physical media and try to push towards digital distribution. So as cool as the collector's editions go, for certain games like this, which I think is relatively niche, RTSs aren't as popular as they used to be, even the Warcraft ones... It's, I could see them doing maybe a limited run, but I don't think it's likely. What about you? Well, they did a boxed collector's edition in China that came with a big Arthas statue and stuff like that. I don't think they're going to do that here. I don't think there's enough. 
they only do that kind of stuff when it, there's there's enough draw for it. Yeah. Like for instance, they 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 still do World of Warcraft ones because they know people will run out and get them. But um, even going back as far as Diablo three, and they keep in mind Diablo three, the Reaper Souls came out in 2014. That's six years ago. Um, they did the Reaper of Souls box set. I've got it downstairs. Uh, I've got the collector's edition. I didn't buy it myself. Um, someone who was really very nice gave me all their collector's editions when they stopped the, when they got out of World of Warcraft, and so I have it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is really neat. But they didn't have anything like that. It didn't have a statue. It didn't. They, they didn't go nuts. And I, I don't think there's a lot of. It's just not as much market. We're really into the convenience of digital editions. I mean, look at like even with, even with uh, Shadowlands, the digital collector's editions. There's there's three different digital versions of this game. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where they're going. That's the future. I I I feel I understand why you want a box set. I think you, I'm. This is not me saying you're wrong or anything like that. I I, I think they're great. I do um, too. I've, you know, but there's there's less and less of a market for it every year, and eventually even WoW will stop doing it. Um, so yeah, I don't think Warcraft Three Reforged. I definitely think they see this as a digital release. This is something cool that you can get. They they like having it. You know, it's 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 a fun way to get Warcraft Three back into people's hands and get people playing it. Uh, I would not be surprised if someone at Blizzard is thinking, let's see how this goes before we commit to a Warcraft Four. Yeah, and because... I think I think that if that happens, if Warcraft Three Reforged does well and they decide to do a Warcraft Four. That I think would warrant something where they would do like a collector's or physical edition here, if it's pop, if Warcraft Three proved popular enough. So yeah, yeah, I think we're on the same page there. I think I agree with that. Yeah. All right. Next, we have on the list. Hey, now watchers, just wondering if you think all allied races is the only way we'll get new races now, uh, or will expansion specific races still happen? Also, do you think we'll ever get allied classes? i.e. classes gained through in-game mechanics. Side note, I delivered mail and just recently binged all the lore watches. Great listening and it rekindled my love of WoW. Thank you for all your time and effort. No name attached to this one, but whoever you are, glad we could bring some joy while you're delivering the mail out there. Uh, I'm sorry my dog hates you. <laughs> I don't know why she gets so mad when you show up, but, you know, we still like getting mail. <laughs> um I honestly think that the way that allied races or new races in general are being introduced to the game is way better than expansion-specific ones. And the reason I think that is because, honestly, like aside from Pandaren, it really doesn't feel like there was a need to have the expansion specifically for those races. Like, you can make a case for it, sure, but I like the idea of the of these classes or these races being introduced and then you going through whatever their storyline is and having a scenario and then unlocking them that way. It feels more immersive to me, I guess, in the game world than I purchased the game so I get to play Pandas now, which, you know, that was fine and dandy, but I think it's content that the way they're doing it now, I think it fits more with the model that they want to go through. What about... I, I... I don't disagree, but one of the things I do notice, one of the things I do find kind of annoying is this, well, you, in order to play this race, you must first grind to this reputation level, and then you must do, it's like, I get why people are salty about that. Sure. Um, because, for instance, I'd like to play Volpera. I don't really want to play Horde that badly, so I don't want to get, I haven't got my character up to max level yet, which means I haven't unlocked, you know, and this is why I don't have a Mag a Maghar right now. 
And that's something that might have got me back into playing Horde. And it didn't because it was like I would have had to get my Tauren up to, See, to get the rep to get those races. And I get why that's there. But an expansion-only race, you just get the expansion and then you can play them. And I love Draenei. See, if I'd had to grind reputation with the mud Draenei out in like the you know, in the uh, swamp of sorrows, in order to play Draenei, I don't. I don't. Well, all right. Let's be honest. I would have done it. You would have. But I'm nuts. I'm trying to. Here's a situation where I'm trying to put other people's concerns out because this isn't a problem for me. If I wanted Volpera, I'd go do it. I think and that's the thing. I mean, for some people, that's a problem. I think there's a solution here though. That that. Yeah. That fits it, and I think it's something that we've seen them do in the past with reputations in general, especially for people that are playing cross-faction. Like, I want a Kul Tiran, uh Shaman so bad, I don't want to grind the rep, but Kul Tiran and Zandalar were released at the same time. If I have an account that unlocked the Zandalari, why, if I play on Alliance side, can't I well, just do the equivalent? Here's the thing. You know what I mean? They, they, did, they did do a thing with the Mechanomes, where if you're Horde and you have a max-level character who's done the, 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 the mechagnome rep grind on your horde character. You can get on one of your alliance characters and you can still do the quest to unlock the mechagnomes. Mm -hmm. You just you have to have a character who can do the quest, but he doesn't have to have unlocked the rep. As long as because the mechagnome rep is the same for both factions. I think you're onto something with the idea of the for purposes of the unlock one the 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 faction that represents them for their faction should, should be count. good enough. So if you've done the rep to get the the Zandalar, it should work for the Kalterans and vice versa. I'm totally okay with that. And because that but would get me that would get me to play Alliance side a lot more often right now, because don't get me wrong, I love I love everything equally as far as the characters go, but I really wanted to play a Kalterian Shaman. I just don't want to grind. And let's also look at something else that I I don't think we've addressed when talking about this. The last time races actually felt properly integrated into the expansion in which they came in was Burning Crusade. Because, you know, the Draenei are actually from Draenor, you know, at least they lived there for a while, and the Blood Elves had a whole reason to be involved, namely that, you know, Kael'thas was there. They had a they had a built-in hook to that expansion. They made sense. In Cataclysm, the next time we got races was Cataclysm. The Worgen and Goblins, the Goblins sort of almost felt like they were involved, but the Worgen, the Gilneas story, yes, it's because of the Cataclysm that it happens, but it doesn't feel thematically linked to the Cataclysm at all. It's like, the Cataclysm is the story of a big evil dragon coming back and he's going to kill everybody unless we pull together. Mm -hmm. It's not the story of Sylvanas doing bad things. And, you know, it, it's... It, it's like that whole thing ended up getting shoved to the side and feeling really like, you know, Sylvanas is getting forced to do it anyway. And it's really weird. And it, it's like, it's, it's bound dividend sense, but it didn't feel connected to that main story. They don't feel like they're really involved. Like as you're leveling up as a worgen, it's like, you know, when am I going to get back to that whole thing about my homeland getting destroyed? Oh, I don't ever. We never go back to that. What happened? To what happened after? Oh, if I want to find out, I should play Horde. Because that's where, like, the Silver Pine is where, like, my whole story gets concluded. <laughs> and I don't even see that. Huh? Like, do you see what I'm saying here? Yeah. Like, the Allied races actually don't ever do that. The Allied race, like, 
recruiting the Maghar, and I've you know I've not been able to play it, but I've watched it a ton. I understand how it works. But playing the Maghar, you get the whole Maghar thing. You you get it. It's yeah. given to you, and it's it's you understand fully well why they take the deal, and then then it's done. It's same thing with the Nightborn. Yeah, and the Nightborn one is really good. I've actually done the Nightborn. It's fantastic. One. I've got, yeah, I've got a Nightborn one. Um, because of course I have a Nightborn warrior. I mean, come on. Uh, there's like a lot going on that I think you can do better with an allied race than you can do with like an expansion race. I understand why people would like to just pick up and play. I get that. Absolutely. And I feel like, I feel like there's room to do that with an allied race where you make it, you could make it. The thing that comes to mind always with me is the Pandaren starting zone, which by the way, is one of the better starting zones that they've done. It's really well done. I've always it liked is. the Pandaren starting zone. It is exceptionally zone. well done. And I think you could basically handle the the allied race reputation unlock through a through a zone like that, where you had them, essentially instead of having you know your character unlock reputation, to get them to join your faction, you have the character unlock the reputation to join the faction. And you could totally make it work. Um, but I definitely think the allied race thing, for one thing, it you think about it, like I said. I'm on WoW Classic right now. I'm on a WoW Classic server as a Tauren. Both factions between them, there's eight races. The Horde get four. The Alliance get four. And mm-hmm. that's it. Now, they put in four per faction this, you know, with just allied races. They have more, they have like effectively by themselves, the, the races that got added in Legion and the races that got added in Battle for Azeroth, that's like, we're up to six, aren't we? Are you up to five or six? Five, I think. Yeah, I'm gonna look. We got for for Horde. We got Zandalar. We've got uh, Maghar orcs. High we've Mountain. got High Mountain Tauren. We got Nightborn, and we have Volpera. Yep. So yeah, they've added ten races just just in Battle for Azeroth. Because let's let's not kid ourselves. The Legion ones were added in Battle for Azeroth. They're it's a Battle for Azeroth feature. So that's ten races. This expansion, they could never do that before because they would have had to try to hook them into every quest and everything involving them and in, in this way you can just put them in you can give them their own concentrated self-contained story and you can go and i think it's 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 an, a vast improvement um i do think there's things they could do to make it better and i do think they should do those things but no i'm i'm not upset that they're not doing it that way anymore uh, the the to bring it back to the second part of that question, uh, the classes. So we've seen this in the past where certain classes were locked behind uh, the expansion content, death knights, monks. Do we think that that's something that should continue to happen? Where that becomes the expansion specific content is you get access to X class. Uh, if there are any classes left to introduce or anything, which I'm not sure there are. But at that point, if they were to introduce a new class, should it be something that they do with a an expansion that you just pay in and you're done? Or should it be something that unlocks similar to an allied race? I'm going to be up front there. I kind of hope we don't get any more classes. I I don't uh, think we need any more, but that's... Yeah, we, that's, we got a lot of classes, guys. Which um, makes balancing one heck of a job, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to... There's a there's a thing I suggested a while back. Um, it was one of the few things I've said that's ever got picked up by anybody else, uh, and it's the idea of instead of doing an allied class or an allied race, you would do flavor 
you would basically have class skins. Um, where you inst- like so let's let's use an example like you can have warriors and paladins get the spellbreaker class skin. That would be great. Where, where they you know they get like a a couple of transmog options that are unique to them like you know the the glaive like weapon that the blood elf uses and the big shield and they get like for instance like warriors would get like their spell reflect would get changed to something like power of the cinder eye mm-hmm. uh and the the paladin you know shield it's... throw thing would get reskinned so it's it's more blood blood elf theme blood knight themed and you just go with that you you take you take certain archetypes from the game and you'd make them skins where they don't mechanically change anything your character is still a warrior or a paladin or what have you you'd have like a, a necromancer warlock one where you're still a warlock and everything is warlocky but instead of demons it's all undead things you were summoning uh and all of your power was based around shadow and death instead of fell and you know fire but it's still mechanically the same it's interesting that you bring that up because that's very similar to what they're well i shouldn't say very similar but it's, it's similar in concept to what they're doing with the soul link mechanic in Shadowlands, where they're taking established spells and making different effects or visuals based on what you put points into or what you level up in, in that sort of that soul link. I could see them yeah. doing taking that mechanic that they're already working on for this next expansion and doing exactly what you're saying, which would be phenomenal. Because like I'd yeah. love to have my warrior, you know, be a spellbreaker. That'd be that'd be dope. And it would be, it's something you could do without having to balance it. Uh, that's the biggest thing. That's The complexity of World of Warcraft right now is pretty mind-boggling when you actually sit down and think about it. Uh, we're looking at something like 36 different specs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got. I, I remember looking, there's something like six tanking specs, uh, six healing specs, six or seven, and then like a crazy amount of ranged and melee DPS specs. And every time you add a new class, you have to add, you you have to try and balance the new things you add to this already incredibly convoluted series of things that compete with it. And if you add another class right now with three specs, what what do you first off? What is that class going to be? Like, what role needs filling? I can I can honestly say there isn't a specialization in World of Warcraft right now that feels like it isn't served with enough choice. Melee DPS, there's plenty of melee DPS. Range DPS, there's a good amount of range DPS. Tanking, there's plenty of tanks. Healing, we have enough healers. There's, there's no healing playstyle that doesn't have at least one representative. Does this mean that all... And are they all balanced? Absolutely not. Um, but I'll I've... just say this. Joe's here, so he can he can tell me if I'm wrong, but I've, I have never felt like Shaman are ever the best choice for any healing situation. Unless it's like like lots of AOE, I I disagree with that statement. This expansion for the first time ever, but up to okay, this expansion, there you go. yes, I didn't I do it. This, I did not. I did not heal in Battle for Azeroth. So, but you see what I mean, though. That's like I'm going back to like from Burning Crusade on. Shaman had a problem with with you know oh, yeah. certain healing situations. I feel like adding more actual classes is just going to increase that problem, and it's not a problem that needs increasing. Yeah, and I, and I think you're on to something, and I think this is something I would really like to see them explore, is instead of classes, skins and flavor, because you can focus on the visual stuff, the things that make those classes, you know, look and feel like those classes, because the mechanics are already in the game. 
like you you mentioned with like the spellbreaker thing, like having having the you know your your shield blocker or spell reflect change slightly, that but have the same effect. I think that's the way that they should go in the future, because you could have really cool flavors of shaman. You could have really cool flavors of druid. You could have really cool flavors of paladins and warriors that act exactly like paladins and warriors and shaman and, and the base class, but just look different, have different spell effects. And they've changed spell effects over the years to make them, you know, way better than they were. Why not do something like that? And I think that would add inherent value to not only what you already are playing as a main, but as a player, give you an incentive that you might not have had for alts and other classes that you might not normally play. Like you may be a person that doesn't really like warriors and I'm, I'll just keep using the spellbreaker thing, but you love spellbreakers. You love that sort of icon, that iconic class from Warcraft. And they give you something that gives you that armor that gives you abilities that feel like that and gives you animations that feel like that. That's going to make you want to play that class. That's going to make you want to play and unlock that and do that. I think that would be a really cool idea. It's also something that I don't think any other MMO does right now. Like when you switch, even like Final Fantasy 14, like you're switching your job. You're not, you're not just putting a skin over something that already exists. And some of them do feel similar. Sure. But if I'm going from bard to, you know, assassin, it doesn't feel the same, but here having that skin that you could just layer over top of something. I think that's a really cool idea that I would love to see that. And then you could lean on the art assets that you already have in the game, or you can make new art assets. You can make, you know, specifically you're saying like the transmog becomes available to that person because that's, that's what that class is. Like, I would love to see that. I think that'd be cool. You got me all excited now. Good. Yeah. It's an idea I've, I've had for a while. I'm not the first person to come up with it, but I think I've been one of the bigger cheerleaders for it because I really do like, you know, you could have finally have like the, you could have the uh, the mountain king for dwarves. You could Shadow have hunters. like the, yeah. You could have the big torn, you know, wielding the giant club um, from the Warcraft cinematic. You could totally go. You could go into each of these. Like it's a way to make the race class thing more interesting without without making it limited. Like without saying, well, you can't play a fighter. You can play a warrior because you're the X race. You can now play a warrior of any kind, but your gnome warrior has a different feel because they're a mechanist. Mm-hmm. And everything they do is involves machines in some way. There's there's ways to make it work, and I think it would be an interesting way to do that without having to introduce more classes. Because I think we've had enough classes. I really do. Yeah, and I think, and like you said, like the balancing act, it, it, and we joke about this a lot as players. But how often have you seen something get adjusted? Whether it's a raid thing, an encounter, or class, a spell, something that seems so innocuous, but then something breaks somewhere else in the world. This game is massive and complicated and has been around for 15 years and code interacts weirdly sometimes. So you change something, you add something, you put something new. And I remember when Demon Hunters got added in, how many other things broke elsewhere? When Druids got their tanking spec broken out into its own fourth thing, because it wasn't originally, it was just a sub-spec of Feral. But when it broke out in its own thing, how many other things broke in the game that weren't just related to that class? So, like, just adding skin and flavor, to me, outweighs adding any other classes because it's too complicated at this point. I th- I agree. We have enough. We have enough specs. We have enough everything covered. Let's just add flavor. Let's make things visually more stimulating. 
So do you, do we want to do one more or do we want to call it, call it there for we, we might as well. I mean, unless you have to somewhere you need to be. Nope. I'm perfectly fine with it. So, Hey, this one starts off interesting. Hey hotties love the podcast. And I hope you have time to, to get one uh, or all of my questions. We're gonna try to get them all. Uh, you mentioned your wishes for heirlooms in a previous show, but how do they, how do you think they will actually work with the leveling revamp? Will they be removed? In that case, I want all my gold back. Uh, will they still exist, but only with stats or will they remain as is with XP bonuses and all? Um, we'll start there and then we'll move through the questions. I honestly want them to be just gear that scales with you. Take away the XP bonus. We don't need it anymore. Just have it be gear that doesn't have to be replaced constantly. And I think that simplifies the leveling process as far as that goes, which they've already done. You don't have to worry about the gear besides collecting it for transmog. You don't have to worry about what's best. What do I need? Just have it level up with you as you progress and get to the current content. Keep the stats that they, they increase as you increase. I think that's the best way to handle them. And I think it's the best way to make people who have put the gold into or, or whatever resource into upgrading their heirlooms, make that feel not nearly as bad if they take away, like if they were just take heirlooms completely away and not give you anything back, I'd feel pretty bad because I have all of them unlocked. But if they still f served a function, but just didn't give me the XP bonus, cool, I'm fine with it. What about you? Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, here's an example of a weird heirloom that makes this whole thing even harder to deal with. I have the heirlooms from Mr. Pandaria, the ones from the raid boss, um, from Garage. Yep, to be the weapons, exact. the pole arm and the axe. Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got a bunch of them. I've got like the one-handed axe. I've got the two-handed axe. Um, it's one of the weird ways that my alliance characters can have the horde axe as their transmog because I've got that axe off of Garage. Uh, and when I got it, that heirloom was actually better. Like it, I was using that in raids because mm -hmm. it scaled up to raid level gear. And it's it's a very strange heirloom because it starts at level 90 and goes up from there. It, so I don't know how that's going to work when they squish it down. Is it going to start at level 30 or 40? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't think pulling it out entirely. Weapons, for instance, weapons have never given you XP. If you go back and look at all your heirloom weapons, none of none them, of them do, give yeah. you XP. They just scale. And so I think Joe's right that that's where all heirlooms are going to go. I don't think they should take them out because not just because you spent gold on them. Because let's face it, you were going to blow that gold on something. That, but I could have bought a Brunto point. mount. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> I don't think you spent that much money on it, but whatever. Point being is I don't necessarily think they should refund the gold if people if they took them out. But I don't think they should take them out because people did spend time on them and they spent effort on them. And I don't think something you spent effort on should ever be removed. Um, maybe not sell them anymore, but if you have them, they should still work to some degree. They should still do something. And so I'm, I'm totally okay with the idea of keep letting people keep them, letting them be gear that scales. So you don't have to replace it. You just wear that gear and that's fine. But I think having the XP bonus from them as well is going to be pushing it when we're doing the total revamp anyway. Uh, if you want people to actually stay inside of a expansion and level all the way through from one to 50 in that expansion, you can't then crunch the XP so that people get to level 50 and they're only halfway done with the expansion. I mean, oh, the other way around, they finished the expansion. They've, they've blown through it. They're level 50, but they're not even, you know, I actually was right. So you know, like, you know, we, I've only done half of this expansion, but I got all the XP I needed. So now I'd leave. 
you want people to feel like the expansions are a leveling experience. You want them to feel like they're important. You have to make it actually feel like it's worth doing. And having people blaze through the experience on them, it's counterproductive. It doesn't work. It ends up devaluing the leveling experience. Yeah, it's I one agree. of the reasons that right now the leveling experience does feel devalued, and people you have been complaining about right. that. Yeah, people have been complaining about it for years. You're going to have to give up this thing if you want leveling to feel important. So, yeah, I think they should still be here, but I don't think they should give an XP boost. Uh, next one we're going to talk about is Mankirk's wife. What do you think of Mankirk's wife? being somewhere in the Shadowlands. Imagine a confused ghost wandering around muttering, where am I? Entirely possible. Uh, we That would be a, a nod that I would kind of expect them to have somewhere because that's the thing that's been an inside... I don't want to say an inside joke, but it's been a thing in, in the Warcraft community for ages at this point. I would be very surprised if we don't run into Mankirk's wife. Picture it. You, you go to the Shadowlands, you meet this powerful orc warrioress whose husband has recently died and hasn't shown up in the Shadowlands, and she sends you on a quest to find him. That's all I'm going to say. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, and you, this spend one... an entire, you spend an entire zone looking for this orc's husband. Finally, you find him. It's like, ah, Mankirk, what are you doing here? I'm dead. Turns out those those uh, those quill boards eventually did kill me. Well, Oof. you were trying to get them to kill you, so. All right, the last one is a specific question for Matt. Uh, I have some problems with my site as well. It's blurry and I have trouble seeing walls and edges, etc. How do you see the game? What can you do and what do you stay away from? Any suggestion for add-ons that make things easier for visually impaired players? I haven't found any add-ons that don't just make it worse because add-ons are extremely visual. Um, add-ons often do things like add more visual information to interpret. I don't. I hope you've been to an eye doctor and got yourself checked out. Uh, I ignored mine for a long time, and thus, when the blood vessel finally popped, I was caught completely off guard. Go get checked out. I'm going to say that first and foremost. But assuming that you don't have anything that you have to worry about in that regard, I'm going to say anything you can do to simplify the display, anything you can do to take visual clutter out. Uh, that's what I tend to do. I try to get rid of as much stuff as possible. Um, I, I turn off pe people's nameplates. I absolutely turn those off all the time. Um, and there's certain quests and certain things that I just really can't do. Uh, the one that comes to mind is the drawing shapes on the ground qu world quest they put in recently. Um, forget that. And they had one in Legion where you had to like watch a barrel and figure out which one was the one... That it, you know, it was a shell game, basically. Forget that. Couldn't do it. Um, there was one that involved like having to run through hoops in the sky. That was another one that I basically had to give up on. It is kind of annoying to have to like concede to certain visual limitations. And I feel for you, and I hope yours aren't as bad as mine. But they don't really make a ton of add-ons that really help all that much. For rating purposes, I found that most of the rating add-ons... That, that provides sound cues, which is almost all of them. Uh, both bigwigs and DBM do this, and it's it's quite helpful. You can turn on, you go into those add-ons and, and see their settings. I, I can't give you an off-the-top-of-my-head way to do it, but they usually have means to turn on audio alerts for mm -hmm. just about everything, and that's extremely helpful for me because having a werewolf yell at me to run away 
is much easier for me to keep track of than yet another visual thing when I've already got like 10 visual things going on. And quite frankly, my eyes are already straining to keep up. While I'm, so. I'm not visually impaired along that same lines. Uh, GTFO is a good add on for that as well. Um, I yeah. GTFO. Audio- yeah. GTFO just so it tells you get the bleep out. That is what it's for. And it's, well, it- you can custom, yeah, and you can customize it per like different spell effects and rate effects and things like that too. Because um, while I'm not visually impaired, I'm a very audio cue player because that's just how I am. So I have it configured whenever I go into a raid or, or anything like that. I just different abilities that I need to watch out for, or whatever. I just have different sounds for it. So yeah. that might help as well. And you can customize what sound it plays. Yes, which is useful if if there's a certain sound that gets used for other things and it's it's you don't it's too close you can tell it okay make make this noise when that's happening so i know to get out of it so yeah it's also um one thing i used to do a lot that i don't do anymore is i had a swing timer oh yeah i don't know if that i don't know if that'll help you or not but if you have something that falls off like uh this was for rend type stuff like deep wounds and rend i used to have a swing timer that would tell me okay this thing's going to fall off. You need to reapply it. Uh, If you have a a class that's really debuff heavy, that can be really helpful Um, as somebody who you, I, I, with my eyes, the way they are, I am not going to see all those little things up in the corner telling me, okay, this is about to wear off. Uh, I just, am not going to notice all of them. So having something that tells me, Hey, uh, you're, you've, you've used, you know, you've almost got Colossus smash off cooldown or, Hey, you need to reapply a rend or, you know, whatever. And, you know, depending on what class you're playing, it's just, you know, it might be helpful. It might not. So, so sorry, Ken, I can't be more help. Uh, no, uh, Ken or Thildor on Akadun. I hope that answers your question. And I hope that helps. Oh, that, we didn't answer the Diablo three one. The Diablo we didn't. One. Yeah. That, I, I, I don't know. Like, yes, I'm not trying to skip know, it. We know it's, we know it's going to be the case. I'm we, straight up. Yes. No, there's a Diablo question. I'm answering it. Uh, <laughs> There will be the, your gender will be switchable. That's they've already said this, male or female for both. Yeah, maybe not the sorceress. We don't know about that one, but but barbarian absolutely you can play male or female. Uh, same with druid. All right, and then that brings us to all the questions that we have. Yeah, we went a little long, but you know whatever. Get get answered questions, talked about stuff. That's cool. That's what we do. So that's yeah, what we do. So, anything else you want to talk about, good sir? No, no, I don't think so. I was gonna. Th- I was thinking about ripping off the lat, you know, f- you know, final thought thing, but I think at this point we're just gonna do the whole uh, going goodbye thing. So you got the script. All right, let's do it. So Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your questions answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And again, Alrighty. I was going to say, please send those questions and keep those questions coming. We love them. Yeah. Uh yeah, if you if you have email for us, guys, it's always appreciated. Please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch. And, you know, it can be about anything. It doesn't have to be about World of Warcraft. Like if Diablo, I'm, I'm always on for Diablo, but it can be Heroes of the Storm. It can be Overwatch. It can be, it can be StarCraft. It can be anything. If you've got a question, we will take that question. We will talk about it. I'm going to actually steal that final thought thing, though, because I liked it. And I'm going to say this. Joe, if Blizzard was going to head into tabletop, what would you want them to do? What is your dream game from them? Oh, man. Uh, if 
if I had to pick one thing, my dream game probably would be I want to revisit a D&D style tabletop experience because I think it's one of the cooler things that they did. I think with all of the content we've had since the original one was released with all the expansions, all the NPCs, all of the lore consolidation we've had, especially with Chronicles, we can make a really killer, really cool campaign uh, or just environment for players to, to create their own sub stories inside of the, the Warcraft universe, because there's so much that they could do there. I mean, I think that would be the coolest thing. I think that would be one of the, the, the most successful things, especially with the renaissance of D&D happening right now. I'd, I would love to see that happen. What about you? Uh, a Splatterpunk Diablo-esque... It would be Diablo, but a Splatterpunk RPG by them that would basically take the Dark Heresy-style uh, Warhammer role-playing and the you know stuck games out there, the horror role-playing, and kind of jam them together. Where it's like... You know, gory and visceral and crazy, because I think Diablo really works as a. I think the best RPG supplement they ever released was the Diablo two Diablery one back in two thousand, and they've not. Nothing they did even for Warcraft was even close. So yeah, that's that's what I'd want. And that's it for the show, guys. Thank you all very much for listening, and we will be here next week. And it's going to be crazy because the raid will be dropping next Tuesday, so it's going to be fun to be here on Tuesdays for a while. I think. Oh, I think so too. Thanks, everybody. Take it easy. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.